everybody. This is Rogue Table Talks, number 34. 34. We're not going to ask Alexa this time. Nope. Because we, we laughed too hard. And it works. <laughs> yeah, it it works. Did you do it? Yeah, it totally works. And I asked Siri. Did you ask Google? I got to ask Google. I didn't ask Google. Here's what I'm going to ask Google. I'm going to say, hey, Google, ask Alexa to tell Siri to play Rogue Table Talks. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would ju- you would just have melted the internet. It's Y two K all over. All right, so we're in our third conversation on joy on our series. We are, yeah. Number thirty four. Did we say that? We did. Number thirty four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the good Pay- Walter Payton's number. All the good running backs mm-hmm. right. in football. Sweetness. Sweetness, yes. as he was called. Sweetness and joy. That's our segue. <laughs> I like it. Yes. <laughs> So you're speaking at, you're giving the message yeah. at Mid Rivers, or you will have got, given the message by the time our listeners. Yep. Uh, yeah, know. whenever you listen, this is a post-sermon conversation. That's right. So yeah. um, you'll be sharing some of your ideas. Uh, I did want to say thanks to those who have reviewed and rated. Oh, right. Right? Yeah, Jacob sent us a little snapshot of... Yeah. Got yeah. some five star ratings on that's right. Apple and some Podcasts. nice comments. So that's yeah. uh, in the Thank show you. notes. You can do that. You can also there's a link there to actually leave us a voice uh, message. You could ask a question. Like you could ask a question, and maybe at some point we we do one of these where we're just answering questions. That would be know. fun. I'm just freelancing here on the on a live mic, but uh, anyway, you can you can do that. You can say whatever. You can ask a question, or you can. Uh, obviously, you can email one of us. At yeah, give us email. your two cents. We'll That's interact right. with it. Give That's us right. a question. That'd be fun. That's right. Uh, so, joy. Joy. Joy, joy, joy. So, uh, what you talking about this week? Yeah, joy in the insignificant. So, I have a couple of thoughts mm-hmm. about how to become joyful. Mm. And that's what I'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And you're you're using a springboard that Luke two passage where basically the journey to Bethlehem, not the not the former, not the former Christmas <laughs> Christmas event. program of a right. local church, right? <laughs> but the actual journey to Bethlehem, <laughs> the literal journey, the literal to Bethlehem. journey, uh, and the sort of um, yeah, I guess mundane grittiness of it and the manger and the donkey and that whole thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And yet somewhere in there, there's joy. Yeah, uh, because I, because somewhere in there, there's uh, God, there's mm-hmm. the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what really strikes me. And I've been reading this passage for um, several weeks and praying through it. And I can't, I can't really get past verse 7, um, without just giving pause and thinking of the scandal of the incarnation of God shows up to earth. You just think about it. God shows up to earth and there's no room for him. Mm-hmm. And it's almost indicative of humanity may not really want God to show up to earth to some degree. Yeah. And then um, he gets laid in a manger, which, um, you know, if you heard this, or hear the sermon, you will have already heard this, but it's less, many scholars think that there, there is no, it's anachronistic to think that there are ends. Mm-hmm. Don't and, tell me that. 
<laughs> don't ruin your don't Christmas ruin my <laughs> card image. <laughs> your nativity scene. My nativity scene. <laughs> yeah, if you're really passionate about Jesus, you should push over Just all nativity <laughs> scenes that you find. <laughs> That's not biblical. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> the wise men would have gotten there like two years later. <laughs> I've had those conversations. <laughs> I might have been that guy. I hope not, but I might have been that guy. Uh, so it's more like, so if you think about a walkout ranch in uh, this area, um, uh, there would have been no room for them. So they'd put them where they kept their animals, which would have been like a walkout ranch, but with no walls in the mm-hmm. basement. So mm-hmm. the underneath the house um, uh, where they would have kept the animals to shelter them and they would have carved out probably something in the stone or the, mm-hmm. or the rock as a trough. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd have been kind of in a mm-hmm. small little mm-hmm. indent in mm-hmm. the rock wall mm-hmm. uh, is where the manger is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, can we find, that's the question for us. Cause I think, well, let me say it and then flip it and then interact with it. I think sometimes we think this, I am looking for joy in, um, the large, mm-hmm. overwhelming, mm-hmm. kind of hit me in the face circumstance or the surprise that you just unmistakably, that's what joy is, or that's what God is. And I think the manger teaches us, I probably won't be very good at enjoying the mountaintops if I don't first find joy in the mundane, mm. because that's where most of us live. Yeah. If you're anything like me and right. probably you, we, right. don't, we don't live on mountaintops. We live right. in the mundane. So can we get our joy muscles flexed in those places? I have a hunch that that's going to help us. Yeah, and it's interesting. In in Luke 2, you have the parallel stories of this story, the humble, sort of earthy, gritty, um, tired, cold, you know, that whole thing. Um, You know, the thing that actually happened that is a metaphor for something bigger. God, God came and he came in very humble circumstances. And you've got the whole, the angels their proclamation to the shepherds, but really there's only a handful of shepherds that got that glorious. And most of the time we don't get that. Right. 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 And so, um, so one of the things, I think one of the points you're, you're making is that, that finding joy in what seems to be insignificant is key to finding, well, to having a joyful life, to finding a joy, to experiencing joy at all. Yeah, I think so. Finding it in the seemingly insignificant is where we look for it. Because if we don't look for it there, then we're waiting for some grand something Mm -hmm. that will bring us joy, Mm -hmm. which seems destined to disappoint us because we don't often get grand something. The burning bush, the mountaintop, the uh, transfiguration, the angel's Mm -hmm. annunciation for most of us, uh, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And the probably one of the th- the ways in which we miss joy is that we keep looking for it. Mm-hmm. Or we keep looking for that, and joy is actually all around us in the seemingly insignificant. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think that's that seemingly is important because I think then what that would, if that's true, if if the manger teaches us to find joy in the seemingly insignificant, then there is, joy is significant, but it doesn't seem so to us. And so we're not very good judges of what's significant. That's good. Like significant stuff is happening. Significant stuff 
I'm experiencing probably every day. I'm just not aware of it. And I think, I think we can just gloss over so much of life. And I think you can think of marriage, you can think of parenting, you can think of like what significant happened, you know, in your family this day, this month, this year. And I think it's a difficult question to answer because what, like if you're in my family, some passing comment I made that I don't, that might be what is significant to you. And I'm not even really paying attention to it and vice versa. And I just think we're not good at identifying what's significant. And therefore we think we never experience mm. the significant, mm. right? Yeah. I think that's enough to chew on for quite a while right there. I think that's if I, if I have faith that I'm in this big story of significance, then I can have faith that significant things are happening in me, through me, around me. And I can just maybe trust that every once in a while I might see one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I think that's true. I, th I think that's a lot of hard work and maybe we can talk about that a little bit, but I do think we miss, I miss each year potential each day incarnation. This is the mystery of Christmas that comes to us, not just at the end of the year, but the mystery of God becoming flesh and lived a life that we didn't know much about until he was an old man. It was mm -hmm. life expectancy mm -hmm. was in the forties. Mm -hmm. And so he's, Jesus mm -hmm. is 30. Mm -hmm. And then we get some records of what mm -hmm. he did and said, right. but until then, seemingly right. insignificant life right? and the ins and the outs and right. you know, you got to do your homework and you have to walk the dog and you have to take out the trash and you have to go to the store. And right. those are all things that we live with. And I think that that's right. I think it's, it's not, the, the blame isn't on those things. The, yeah. the fault right. is not theirs. The fault right. is not that the, that the universe is actually boring. The problem is with me, and I'm probably not a great judge of the significant because all of these things around me are happening every day. And the question for me is, am I, am I open to being surprised? Am I open to finding joy in the minutia and in mm -hmm. the details? Mm -hmm. um, or have I determined that, have I already preset and stolen my own joy, so to speak, like I already know how this day is going to go. I already know how that conversation is going to go. I already know how this meeting is going to turn out. And I do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's common, and I think we can do that even writ large. Where I think some people we can get to a point where I know how, how my life is going to go. Yeah, like hmm. uh, you know whatever chance I had for significance passed, and I'm just I mean here I am. I just got to play at the string when I think that's <clears throat> completely wrong, it's completely unbiblical. I don't know that we would even admit that to ourselves, but I think that there are times where we get to a point where it's just like, ah, oh, what does it all matter? Or what difference am I making? I mean, who hasn't said some of those things to themselves? Yeah. Where it, <clears throat> it seems to imply if I don't know how it matters, and if I don't know and experience and get sort of affirmed by what difference I'm making mm -hmm. that I must not be making any difference. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the need, that's, that's a really good point. The, the need for, you could call it whatever, but the ego or the prideful self to measure impact. Right. It's like right. to measure, I mm-hmm. need to know mm-hmm. if I'm being mm-hmm. and used I wanna, or and effective. Partly I'd like to share with other people. Yeah. Too. <laughs> sure. Right. I think sometimes, not always, but sometimes where we think we need, you know, God's encouragement the most, maybe he shows up the least. Yeah. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. He's, he's wanting to us to go to actually a deeper question. We're mm-hmm. like, Hey, am I being used? Am I making a difference? Mm-hmm. And he says, I, I need you to ask a deeper question mm-hmm. than that. And right. so I'm not going to answer that question because I love you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a deeper question, because am I being used? Am I making a difference? Is really a question about me. It is. It's not a question about what God's doing in the world. It's not a question about mission or faithfulness. You know, how can I join with what God wants me to do? How can God make an impact through me? How can people see God in me? Those are all questions that are not fundamentally about me. And I may not know the answer to when and how that's happening. It's more, how do I make myself available to God's work? And that's a whole different, it's a whole different mindset where at the end of the day, I can't really okay, well, let me just assess the fact, you know, assess how I did in my significance or my whatever, that's my a, brilliance or my whatever. That's a, a tyrannous way yeah. to live. Yeah, yeah. You're got to yeah. be, you're miserable. You yeah. got to be miserable. And we, I think we find what you're just talking about, though, we find this in the manger because I have, I have a pretty loaded sentence. So not because it's brilliant, but you might hit repeat. Um, God comes to us in the insignificant as insignificant. Uh, and so if we ourselves are willing to look in the insignificant and, and ourselves willing to become insignificant, that's the, that's the right. scandal of the manger. We right. might find him right. there because Luke is intentionally putting uh, verse seven in, he's putting it against the backdrop of, another very significant person whose birthday was celebrated by all who everyone showed up to the party, who there were coins with his inscription Mm -hmm. on it, son of the divine. Mm -hmm. He's going to bring the Pax Romana peace. Mm -hmm. It's very subversive what Luke's doing in chapter two with the birth of Jesus against the backdrop of Caesar Augustus. Mm -hmm. Oh, this guy's going to bring his birthday is Juan Galeon. Good news. Mm -hmm. That was Caesar Augustus. Mm -hmm. That's what they said. And he's bringing peace, global peace. Mm-hmm. So they defeated Mark Antony, mm-hmm. Antony and the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now the Pax Romana at mm-hmm. Great Bloodshed, mm-hmm. Luke puts Jesus' birth in this context and says, here's someone more powerful, more worthy of all these praises and accolades. And yet he's and in a major. Bring, yeah, more far-reaching, <laughs> yes, more profound true peace. peace yeah. A true gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that for, you know, so to say that a different way is to say, you know, Jesus comes in insignificance and that is part of the mystery of the incarnation. But of course, because he's Jesus, he can't truly be in a larger sense. He is significant. Mm -hmm. He just to us seems insignificant. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Right. It's this sense of, I'm probably going to get that wrong especially if I'm just going by my own judgment. And so that might mean that the most insignificant seeming other person Hmm. that I come across might be in the big divine plan, just like here, 
people went by, people, whatever. This was people they didn't know, people that weren't connected, people that didn't have money, people that weren't famous, people that weren't influencers, you know, any of that stuff. People would have gone by and it would have been just, you know, huh, there's some, there's a family and they're having a baby in the cold. Um, and how many of those people do I go by? And in a sense, as image bearers, I mean, they could be, they could have significance. They do have significance that by definition, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And uh, it's just a misvaluing of, of things. And I, you know, you say something in your notes here that I do think it relates to that is you say the way we enjoy anything is the way we enjoy everything. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, oh, that can't be true, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the mm-hmm. way I enjoy really joyful things is a whole lot different than the way I enjoy not very joyful things. Yeah. Right? Well, and right. And as I say sometimes, I'm not, I, this is what I think. I really do think this is true. I might disagree with myself in a few weeks from now. But here's why I think that, that the way we enjoy anything is the way we enjoy everything. Because... um I think often we start with too big of a concept or too lofty of an ideal. I, God is joy. I need to find joy in God's presence. I need to enjoy God. Okay. That's not, not true, but think about it for a second. Like you're trying to wrap the human mind around uh, what theologians would call uh, God is ineffable, which, which means mm-hmm. we can't even have words to describe him. We don't even have words to describe him, how mm-hmm. great he is, his, mm-hmm. his majesty. Um, why don't you start with something smaller? This is this is First John. How can you say you love God, but you haven't seen him, right. and you hate your brother? Who's right in front of you. This is exactly what John's saying. Right. Why don't you start with something smaller? Right. And if you say, if you start there and you learn that, mm-hmm. then you'll, by definition, you'll understand, oh, this is what it means to love God. So can I in, find enjoyment in the small and in the mundane and yeah. in the, that's what I think. Right. And I do think, I agree with that. I think it's, I think it's profound because it's also saying, I think, or what I'm getting from it is the way we enjoy anything is the way we enjoy anything. The path, path a path to joy for anything is the same as the path to joy for everything. There's only one really... That's good. Right? There's only one way to experience joy. And part of that, I think, is I got to get out of my own way. Like, is this joy? Is this joy? Is joy about to happen now? You know, what would make this more joyful? How could I have more joy? Yeah. Like, that's... You sound so anxious about joy. Oh, my joy. gosh. It just kills any possibility. <laughs> kills any joy. Any possible joy. But if the, the manner in which I might have joy in uh, sitting and drinking my coffee and watching the sunrise or walking the dog or, um, you know, watching a movie with my wife or reading a, a essay that's, t- or having a good meal. Yeah. The way it, the path to joy for all of those things is the same as the path to joy <clears throat> for uh, that, you know, God might bring to me in a worship a worshipful moment that because they're all in a sense mm. an intersection with God's divine good that he's bringing to us. And if I can't have the first kind of joy, yes. I'm probably not having that's the second good. kind. That's good. And that's my argument. That is my argument. If, if I can't figure out how to enjoy that. Right. A good meal. Right. Which is what I would argue is the first incarnation or some theologians call it creation. 
God pouring God's self into all of creation, not in pantheism, but in God's glory. He's somehow connected to all things. If I can't find joy in those things, it's probably not real joy that I'm experiencing in the worship service. Right. That's, That's right. what I would argue. That's right. That's right. It's something I can tell myself I'm supposed to be joyful here. So I'm trying to yeah. generate some... Relentlessly cheerful. Yes. Right. That's right. Instead of just letting go of all of that and I'm not even thinking about myself, mm-hmm. which I do think it's hard to be joyful and to be thinking about yourself. Yeah, I think so. Which is hard for Americans. I get stuck in that, the over-analysis of me, the over-analysis of what am I experiencing? Yeah, right. Am I feeling joy right now? Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's all a way of, of, of managing it, of controlling the process. And I genuinely think if I'm trying to manage what I am going to experience from the meal or, you know, the solitude, then I'm, I'm going to frustrate myself Mm. as opposed to showing up, being fully present in the moment, being yielded and open to whatever God has for me in this moment, that's his will. Mm -hmm. So even if, as some poets say, even if it's a crowd full of sorrows, Mm then I'm open to this in that moment. And there's joy there. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's the, the beauty of that the 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 good news about that is we can have difficult gritty earthy uncomfortable circumstances and find joy uh partly precisely because we're not really looking for it there yeah right that's good we don't need it so much Uh, to happen there yeah yeah i haven't because that's what we do we say okay let's say christmas christmas morning is supposed to be a time of joy so we arrange everything and we put so much pressure on um, everything. That moment, that, that thing, yeah, the presence. It makes it really hard. Yeah. Uh, and I do think there's a lot of ways in which we can squeeze any possibility of joy out. And I think it probably just depends on, you know, how you're wired. You know, mm-hmm. I think for some people, we overthink things. For some people, nothing's quite good enough. For some people, I'm thinking too much about Am I doing the right things to get joy? You know, for some people, I got to be in charge of it. And yeah. some, whatever it might be. Some people, they're bent towards the what's missing here. Yeah. Like, you know, or what's, right. what's sad about that's this. Right. That's right. And and that's the thing where it, it, if, if um, yeah, the house is never quite clean enough, the, the meal is never quite, I wish the potatoes would have been, you know, if, if that's the sort of where you are, there'll always be stuff to point at because we live in an imperfect world. And if you're, if you're, well, I don't experience joy. I think God might be trying to hit you over the head with joy, but you keep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really do think so. And uh, I have two thoughts. I'll say one. And if it goes anywhere, fine. Um, I don't know if it's helpful to describe joy as an emotion because happiness creates uh, a binary with sorrow and pain and confusion and loss. Joy says, you're all welcome in the human experience. So here's what I think. I prefer to not define joy as an emotion, but joy as a foundational stance that keeps you. One of the things it does is it keeps you from slipping into despair. Mm -hmm. So you can go to grief or go to happiness or go to sorrow or go to confusion or anxiety, but you don't have to lose joy because you're not going to slip into despair. Mm, Right. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I think that, I, I think you're right. I think joy is an intersection with the divine. Now, emotions may attend it. Sure, absolutely. Um, and, but sometimes you have joy seemingly to our minds. It's probably not actually a contradiction, but it seems like a contradiction to our minds. We have joy in grief. We have joy in sorrow. We have joy in and disappointment mm -hmm, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I do think this sense that I think we bring, we can bring despair upon ourselves um, as we try to manage our lives to, for maximal happiness. Yeah. And then it's just like, it's so exhausting and it's yeah. so like ultimately disappointing. At some point I have to admit, yeah, this isn't working. Hmm. And then um, now what? Hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, there's the, the hope that tomorrow will be, will have joy in it seems to fade away mm -hmm. because I'm not, and the irony is it's all around me if I would just try to let it come to me. Yeah, it, it's just, but it's just below the surface, but it's, it's also beyond the surface. I think, you know, we can talk about religious circles because we, we live there. Um, I think one of the challenges I see in religious circles when we talk about joy is we often don't really mean joy. Um, we mean denial. And so... You mean denial of the bad reality. Yes, right. Yeah. We don't mean right. joy. We mean right. you need to keep pretending really right. hard that right. that your life right. is, isn't what you it's, expected it to it, be. Right. Your marriage is hurtful. Mm. Uh, your kids disappoint you. Maybe you lost someone close to you. Right. And so denial. Um, yeah, that's not painful. Right. That's not disappointing. That doesn't make me sad. That doesn't. That doesn't. Because I have the joy of the Lord. Yeah, because I have the joy I of the Lord. I just keep saying it louder and louder. Exactly. Yeah. That if but if I followed that, that would probably cause me to have to ask some questions about God mm -hmm. or my construct of God that I'm not sure I want to ask. And so joy says, oh no no no, those all those questions are on the table. All these this human experience east of Eden. Um, I wrap my arms around you. You're welcome at the dinner feast. I'll set a, a place for you. I want to hear all about it. Um, but I think where we're stuck right now, so that's often what I hear in religious circles. I think as a culture, we're often stuck in the next phase, which is cynicism. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, okay, we're past denial now. I'm not lying about that. And I've seen, mm -hmm. I've seen how the sausage is made and yeah. it's all bad. Yeah. Anybody bad. who says they're joyful is lying. Right. 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 The cynic, the cynic is that there is no joy that the world, if you're really honest, the world is terrible. It's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah, and I think that, um, I do think that part of, for people who are people of faith, Christians, <clears throat> I think it's hard to shake and it's hard to keep uh, pushing away the notion that God exists to make me happy. Mm. And, you know, if you've been a Christian a while, or maybe if you haven't, you might know, okay, that's, I know that's not true. <clears throat> but we don't necessarily always examine our thoughts and our, because then we can out of nowhere just say, hey, God, I'm not happy. Right. And as if it, God's at fault or if that there is a fault, as if the ex expectation is you're always supposed to be happy. Yeah. They probably have to reject the starting point. <laughs> That's right. The whole thing is messed up where obviously we see uh, people in difficult uh circumstances all through the, I mean, 
Mary and Joseph aren't saying to themselves, hey, this is a great hotel room we're in, isn't it? Love the jacuzzi. <laughs> I love like, how we read into the story sometimes, because sometimes you hear that, like, yeah. but they were joyful all the yeah. time. Well, I don't yeah, know. They probably weren't. <laughs> probably not. Right? It's like, I wish I had another blanket, because yeah. it's cold out here. Yeah. Um, and so I think, but that's like, God can be there. God is there in that moment, just like God is, you know, in the garden while Jesus is dripping blood and he's, mm. in the, you know, he's, he's with him on the, that, that, that my, so this is another thing that I think this is deeply ingrained in us is my experience of the thing, or really my interpretation of my experience of the thing is the reality of the thing. Okay. Like if I don't, if I don't, if I can't say I'm feeling joyful here, then that means there's no joy. Hmm. Where I think that's a completely modern, individualistic, even narcissistic. You know, say that again. So there's this, there's something, there's an event, and then there's your experience of it, and then there's your interpretation. I, yeah, so, so now we're three layers removed yeah, so from I'm living in reality. I'm, I'm feeling something about that, and then I'm interpreting the feeling, and I confuse my interpretation, which is two steps away from reality, as a reality. That's good. When I have to let God tell me the reality. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the life of faith is that, you know, we live removed from what is real somewhat, and we're not, we're not reliable interpreters of what's really real. Yeah. And so I just have to sometimes say, well, God says, this is who I am. God said, this is where joy is. God says, if I want, you know, I should die to myself every day. You know, I should pick up my cross and die to myself every day. Well, that does not sound like the fruit of the spirit is joy, but those two things go together. Mm. And I don't think, I think it's more of a contradiction for us as Americans who are living in the world, you know, the nation of the pursuit of happiness and that we're individualistic, we're sort of self-focused, self-centered, experience-focused, whatever. Uh, and I do think this sense is more profound uh, for those who are, because I think if you spent more of your life in sort of the experience economy, where people buy experiences more than they buy stuff. Like I grew up in the stuff economy. Mm -hmm. People accumulated stuff. Now people accumulate experiences. I'm in the middle, so You're I in the, buy stuff you, to give you me get experiences. It, right, you've got, <laughs> got both. I don't know. Right. So I think there's this sense of my experience of the thing is it's almost we don't question, like we don't question what we're blind to because it's just we're blind to it. Like uh -huh. if I'm not experiencing joy, there is no joy. Now if you if you put that to somebody, they might say, okay, well, I, okay, okay, I see your point. That's not true. But that doesn't get us to joy. That's good. Right? Yeah, rewind on that, friends. I, I'm going to admit, and I, I think I'm tracking with Mike, that's a good one, but that's a suitcase full of thoughts. So you're going to need to go back because that's good stuff. Write a note down, event, experience, interpretation, and you think your interpretation is telling you all of the reality. Yeah, and I think that goes to your denial thing because I think we what I'm experiencing doesn't feel like joy. That seems like the wrong answer. So I'm just going to reject my interpretation and deny it and say, <laughs> nope, I am experiencing joy. Yes. Right? Yes. Instead yes. of saying, no, right now I'm sad. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Or this world is grinding me down. Mm-hmm. But God says there's joy in here. And so I can hold both of those things at the same time. And that's the only way I can really find, because if I'm in the middle of denial, I'm, 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 I'm not looking at where I'm going to find real joy, right? I've always thought this. Um, I don't think joy and denial can really coexist. I don't think 
growth and flourishing and all of the fruits of the spirit in denial actually exist because um, John 14, uh, the spirit of God is called the spirit of truth. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, I think denial is a uh, self-deception. It's a lie. And it's a lie that I probably want to believe in to some degree to protect me from experiencing something that's uncomfortable. Um, I'm not saying God's not there and not present in our lives. God's more gracious than we understand. Mm-hmm. He still dwells in us when we're completely yeah, self-deceived. That's right. I do think <laughs> that's a good point. I tend to think mathematically or sort of in very clean concepts or something. But of course, we're, we all live in a little bit of denial at least. Like we're, none yeah. of us have it like totally right. Uh, well, uh, you know, I handed you a book a few weeks ago. And, and in that book, he's a, a professor of psychology at Abilene Christian University. And he says, by nature, introspection, uh, self-deception accompanies introspection by nature. So just the fact that I'm trying to figure out what's going on inside of me means I'm going to be self-deceived. And then he goes on to say, it's probably just best to say that we're always at some level psychologically compromised. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's right. Like the, in order to in order to deceive myself, I have to be thinking about like, what am I thinking now? How am I responding? Is there some sort of math being done in my head? No, I think that's the wrong answer. So I'm going to pretend something else. Uh, and just by name, I mean, somebody, I, somebody I I, I know, um, you know, once said, yeah, I don't really have any blind spots, Hmm. which, you know, by nature, you don't know what your blind spots are. It's true. Like you can never make that statement. <laughs> I'm so aware I can see my blind spots. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's self-contradictory, <laughs> but partly that's a denial statement. Like yeah. I don't want to think I have, I know blind spots are bad. I don't want to think I have them. Yeah. And so I don't have them. When instead of just saying, I don't know what they are by definition, um, and you know, that, the, that I'm missing something that I'm not getting at a hundred percent right all the time is part of just who I am. It's mm-hmm. part of who everyone mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, how am I getting it wrong? You know, how do I agree? That's like, then you can grow from there. Like if I'm getting it right all the time, well, I can't grow. Yeah. I have to, for me, I have to, I, I put it in these words. I have to accept that I'm my own worst enemy and that I'm probably up to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it? Right. <laughs> like, right. um, I'm in my own way somehow yeah. of a life of flourishing and submission to God and all those things. And so something else I think I'd like to get to, um, how are we, how are we doing, Jacob? He, okay. he said, we're so, yeah, so, so, what does that yeah. mean? He said, so, so. He <laughs> he said, so, so. How are we doing, Jacob? He gave us a so, so signal. <laughs> <laughs> how are we doing on time? So, so. Yeah. yeah. You're doing fine for time, but you know, so, so. <laughs> Um, okay. So I do think this whole conversation, and I think it's kind of how we're wired is like my experience, my joy. And so a question I had was, they were talking about this earlier is how, like, what if God, like, what if I'm the conduit of your joy and I'm doing bad at that? Like one of the reasons you don't have joy is because I am not doing my part to bring joy to you like yeah. uh and and vice versa uh that you know i don't know that i think about um how how should i bring joy to you how should i bring joy to my family like what role does it play for me to be a conduit of joy to somebody else honestly i don't think about that very much yeah yeah well um i think that's a really good question i think especially at christmas time 
Um, I, 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 I haven't checked on the definition of this word, so I may misuse it. Um, but I think we're all self-absorbed. We can't get out typically of the I and the way I interpret my own experience in life and how I see God is obviously through my own mm-hmm. lens. But all that to say, true joy uh, is generative, which simply means it has to have something to give to growth mm-hmm. to. Like, it's life-giving. It's life-giving. It's going to true joy. Uh, and we may not even use the words for it, but it's something in me giving something to you and then that grows something in you and mm-hmm. it passes on. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's a good question is um, h- how am I being open? Like I'm not the stopper of joy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, is, I'm not a, a, I mean, a I vase. Be. I can't be, I can't, I can't be. Right. Uh, what I mean is I'm not a vase and I'm not trying to be filled up and then put the lid on it. Right. You know, the, 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 I just, I, I cringe at some of the old, later, right. I right. cringe at some of the, some of the, uh, word pictures that we, we use sometime in teaching the Bible of, you know, be filled with the spirit. I'm like a container that be filled with the spirit. Well, maybe, but it's more so about, I'm an open conduit. Mm-hmm. I'm in the flow. I'm in the flow. Mm-hmm. I'm my, my hands are open mm-hmm. and I'm yielded to, um, something that is going to be given, but then I'm going to give it. And that's what joy is. And that's what I wonder if one of the reasons we don't enter into true joy because we're afraid of the emptiness experience. Mm. The emptying Mm -hmm. experience Mm -hmm. means that I'm now empty again Mm -hmm. and I am dependent again and Mm -hmm. I'm not filled and I'm not full. I I poured out, as Paul says, I've been poured out as a love offering or a drink Mm -hmm. offering. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think... Yeah, I had this conversation with one of my kids because they were looking at uh, presents under the tree, as kids often do. And they said, there's not a lot of presents under the tree. And uh, I remember that exact sentiment. Do you? Yeah, I remember thinking, hmm, I wonder if there's more coming later. <laughs> I, I, who hasn't? Who hasn't said that? Uh, yeah, mom and dad, we have a big, problem. Hiding the big ones, apparently. Too large a, to bring out. It's the 18th, and I've only counted two per person. Um and I, and I really often don't try to theologize my kids, but I, I looked at her and I knew she could handle this. I said, honestly, I understand that <laughs> there are more to come, but uh, real joy, as far as I've experienced it, is less about receiving and more about giving. Mm-hmm. The, when I've experienced deep, satisfying joy, it's not been when I've gotten something, mm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not been when I've gotten uh, a surprise, you know, maybe a surprise uh, financial gift, mm-hmm. maybe a, right. uh, a card, maybe anything, maybe, oh, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. When I've gotten the most joy is when I've said, I really want to give this to someone, mm. whatever that gift is. Mm-hmm. And that has brought me the most joy. And Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with receiving. It just means that's the first step of the equation. Right. It has to go further. Somebody has to receive. For you Somebody to has to receive. Right. Yeah. 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 And I do think, so that's all goes to getting my eyes off me. Exactly. Getting, you know, not being so, such a navel gazing, like, how am I doing now? How am I doing now? How am I doing now? Person, which is, I think, kind of our default mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how will I describe this to someone else later or... Um, and I do think we struggle with uh, 
like, how, how was your Christmas? Uh, you know, generate some pressure. Like, I feel like I've got to come up with something. Yeah. You know, we, we, we were together as a family and we had a meal and we, we worshiped and we opened presents. Oh, okay. So not very good. <laughs> you know, right? There's like fantastic. We all got Pelotons and um, <laughs> hoverboards. Right. We had a race. We had a Peloton race. I, I, you know, I feel like this, it's this, again, it's kind of back to the very beginning like this. I feel like it has to be spectacular. Yeah, that's good. Right? And, and joy, the, you know, as you say, the manger teaches us to find joy in the seemingly insignificant places in our day to day. And if we can find joy in the stable, we can find it in the steeple. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so let's, are we, are we ready to I have one more thought? Okay. Is that all right? I heard, no, I heard you go, like take a breath. Yeah. <gasps> Kaboom. Um, yeah, I think for, I'll be, I'll, I want to be honest here for me when people say, you know, God is joy and I have God. So therefore I have joy. And I, I don't think that's not true, but for me, mm-hmm. that was never my experience. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't think I started enjoying life until this year, dead serious. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm not very poetic at this, but what life felt like for me as a Christian, just as a human, was mostly a mountain on my chest, mm-hmm. just a weight mm-hmm. of, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with mm-hmm. everyday experience, mm-hmm. marriage, kids, work. Um, and I think this year, through a lot of different circumstances and uh, obviously God's grace, I've started to enjoy life more. And I thought, oh, I actually like being alive. <laughs> so I think, and it sounds crazy when I, when I, even when I said it out loud a few weeks ago, that I actually, actually want to be alive. Mm-hmm. I think that's what joy does. Mm-hmm. It actually makes you, or at least it made me wake up and yeah, waking up still hard. And you still fight the gremlins of fear and laziness mm-hmm. and whatever sadness. And um, but then I thought, no, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to the mm-hmm. day. I don't know what to expect. Right. Hope, and hope. Joy there's go hope. Together. There's hope yeah. driving this joy of. It's not going to be the same day. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same meeting, the same conversation, the same lunch, the same meet. It's whatever. It's there's something different there, and I'm looking forward to being a part of it and letting it come to me on its own terms, letting God, letting the circumstances, letting the mundane show up on its own terms and accepting mm-hmm. whatever the gift is. Yeah. I do think that, I do think that experience is common. And I think, you know, I thank you for being honest about it. Cause I don't think that's terribly uncommon for people that, uh, I don't know how old I was where I felt, um, I could relax. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have to achieve it or manage it or make it perfect or avoid catastrophic error or whatever. Like this sort of tight grip on things that I've got to do life well or bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Where at some point when I let go of that, now I'm open to the sense that, yeah, I mean, God's at work, God's here, you know, that I have God, God is joy. So then I have joy mm-hmm. is true. It is true. It is actually true. And yeah. it's only when I let go of everything else that I can, because I have, so I've, in other words, I've had joy for my whole life, but doesn't, didn't always experience it. No, there you go. Right. Yeah. I have to let go of all my other stuff and, and God can bring me peace. God can bring me hope. God can bring me joy. And those things are not, they're not, none of those things really are emotions. Right. 
primarily, right? right? right. And I do think by God's grace, he wants, I, I have this picture of God who by his grace wants to be giving us all these things. Mm -hmm. And we just, like we're just the kid who can't get the present open or something yeah. like, you know, we just can't get the wrapping off. Yeah. And we just, you know, by the time we're done with it, it's wrapped like in triple wrap now because we just keep getting farther. Mm. At some point he's just like, hey, let me let me unwrap this for you. And, and when we get to that point, we just give it, okay, why don't you open this for me? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's, that's a watershed, like somewhere in the middle of your life, you have to get to a point where you say, I'm either doing this or I'm not. Yeah. And I can live my whole rest of my life not. Hmm. I mean, I know people who do, right? They live their whole rest of their life. Yeah, And they true. never get the package open. That's true. But, and they're telling themselves, isn't this great? Isn't this present great? And you know, they're in denial or, they're, or whatever. So, um, hmm. yeah, so I, it sounds mystical, uh, but I don't think it's, and it, I mean, it, it is a little. It is a little. It is a little. Uh, but I think it's, it's, it's at the same time, it's the realest, the realest real there is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think perhaps even for the realist at Christmas time or Advent season, Advent season, maybe there's enough room for a little bit of magic yeah. and mystery. Right. Um, that, that we're the kid who really does want wonder to be there. And I think it's there. Yes. It's there everywhere. That's right. Yeah. So you're, so the in seemingly insignificant your story is more spectacular than you think it is. That's right. That's right. Every day is charged it with is wonder. Significant. Full it, stop. it really is. Yes. Yeah. It's charged with wonder. Full stop. Yeah. And God comes to us on God's own terms. Yeah. His own terms. Yeah. If we can accept that and let it be His terms. Right. And kind of lives you as you've been describing. Move our hands out of the way a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. say, bring it. Uh, I think we'll find. I do think we'll find joy. I do think it's possible. I think God wants us to have yeah. hope and joy yeah. and love and peace. And with that, that's our that prayer for you as well, that uh, this, this Christmas season would be a season uh, of joy for you, that we would get out of our own way, we'd get out of everyone else's way, uh, and we would let God bring us joy. Uh, so with that, have a joyful Christmas. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.